You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. <laughs> Thank you. Well, good morning. I was asked to, uh, to come and share with you um, how the Bible works. I mean, a lot of people think the Bible like is broken. Uh, I guess as far as with the series, it's, all right, how does God give direction through the Bible? Uh, not, not everybody is all into wanting to learn the scriptures. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, he says, now study, show thyself, a workman who need not be ashamed of himself, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, now why, why would Paul say that to not know the Bible how to be ashamed of yourself. I'm not here to shame you. That's what Paul says, all right? But why? I mean, why, why would it be such a shame? Like I say, I, I, I talk to people and, and some say, well, you know, that, that's, you just become a spiritual egghead. I mean, if all you do is know the Bible and you quote verses, you know scripture and you know Bible studies, well, it, it basically we all know that, that, that the Bible knowledge, knowledge suppresses the soul and, and makes it kind of... Um, a Christian ought to be baptized in pickle juice, you know, as far as looking like it. On the other hand, I, being a president of a seminary, I'm really into the Bible. <laughs> you get the idea? In other words, we're really into wanting to train men and women to be able to know, study, and to teach the, the, the Word of God. So I'm not into spiritual eggheads. But I'm not also into spiritual mystics. You know, in the first four or five hundred years of the church, the church fathers talked about Mysterion, that there's a mystery aspect of the Christian life, that God interacts uniquely in unique ways in each of our lives. That's true. But they didn't really speak that well of mystics because that all has to do with good feelings. Is this all about, is that what Christianity is all about? Is just to make you feel better so that we can smile a lot more? Even Barna suggests that the greatest setback to Christian faith today is take a wild guess. Biblical ignorance. It is amazing. It is amazing. Did you ever see Jay Leno when he would do the, the street interviews? And he'd ask very simple Bible questions like, who is Noah? Or what did Moses do? And people on the street would give the most remarkable answers. And you kind of go, oh, Lord, help us now. Because a lot of people say, well, I, I, it's all about faith. You don't need to know the Bible. It's all about faith. Well, okay, okay, let's run with that. But I know a lot of people say, but I don't believe in faith. Oh, oh, oh break my back. You don't believe in faith. <laughs> faith is not faith in faith. Matter of fact, you're not supposed to believe in faith. Faith is not something to believe in. Faith is something you believe with. And everybody does. Have you ever eaten at a fast food restaurant? I, uh, we all place our faith, our trust into something. I worked my way through college at McDonald's. You have no idea what we did back there with the patties. Don't tell me you don't live by faith. Have you ever flown anywhere? We get on a jet. Did you check the maintenance records? Did you smell the breath of the pilot? No. We just go ahead and flop down on the plane. They set it on fire. We're gone in an explosion. And we're okay with that. And yet we're going to say, well, I, I, I don't believe in faith. Oh, everybody lives by faith. You're going to trust something. The only question is, all faith has an object. It is, who are you trusting? What are you trusting? Because we all trust something. 
And the question is, we as Christians say, well, my faith is in Jesus Christ. I, I, I trust Jesus Christ. What does that mean? You trust Jesus Christ. It means simply this. You trust what he says. You do what he says. Jesus put it this way. If you don't keep my commands, you're, you're, you're not one of mine. You're not one of my disciples. And so when I say, I trust Jesus Christ, what I'm saying is I trust that what he says is true. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. In other words, he says, I've got it figured out. And if you trust me for truth, for life, for the way to the heavenly father in a relationship with your creator, Jesus says, start with me in what I say and trust what I say. Jesus made it very clear. You shall be baptized as disciples. Well, when you were baptized, were you listening to what was said? Remember Jesus, based on Matthew 18, 28, when Jesus said, now go into the world, and as you are going, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, that's the first participle. Now, I know, when I went to seminary, I had to relearn. I slept through ninth grade English, like most of the guys here sitting right next to you. And so I didn't know what a participle was. I thought it was half of a sipple. Or maybe you grew them in a garden. I don't know what a participle. But in seminary, they taught us, it's an I-N-G word. It's something you do in habit. It's a habit thing. So notice the first habit of this confession when you were baptized is that baptizing, there's the first one, them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You're not ashamed that you belong to God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You are a person with a heavenly Father and a Savior, Jesus Christ, and you've got the Spirit of God within you. You're not embarrassed about that. It's a bad case of the normals, first participle. But there's a second participle. When he says, and teaching them, there's the second I-N-G, teaching them to what? To observe all I have, what? Commanded. So Jesus has the audacity that says, now if you're going to be my disciple, uh, you're, you declare that, that, that you're my disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, that means, first of all, you're not ashamed of it. But second of all, you're to be learning all that I've commanded you. I think in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, John, when he gives the birthmarks of a genuine Christian, he says, by this we know we've come to know him if we, tereo is the word, keep his commands. So there's a, how can I keep that which I don't know? Like a question I've always asked is, when did ignorance become popular? I mean, when, when did ignorance become a virtue? You know, I, I talk to guys, yeah, I don't study the Bible because I'm a man and as a manly man, it's good to be stupid about the Bible. <laughs> I don't get that. Virtue is not ignorance. Ignorance is not virtue. Don't be praise. Matter of fact, Paul says, be ashamed of the fact. How can you keep the commands of Christ when you don't even know what they are? And this is why the Bible is a bad case of the normals for Christians to know what the scriptures say. So how does this thing work? Because most people treat the Bible like it's broken. Like, well, you can read it, you know, read a verse a day, keeps the devil away, kind of a deal. And, and no one takes this thing seriously that, is it true that God can guide me? Yeah, it's great to get godly counsel, we learned last week. But I tell you, let's begin with God counsel. So how does God actually guide us daily through 
this book called the Bible. Well, if you love Jesus, you got your Bibles or you got them on your phone. I've learned. I'm tech-tarded, but I embrace it. But I understand you got it on the phone. One time, first time, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago, I was preaching, and I said, take out your Bibles, and everybody took out their phones, and I got mad uh, until I was corrected as such, you know? But anyhow, James chapter 1. I want to walk you through what James says here. James chapter 1, verses 19 to 27. James, some feel that this was the first letter of the New Testament. And we do know it's written to Jewish believers because these people had the spit knocked out of them in Jerusalem. They've been scattered. They're called a diaspora. And they're scattered all there in the Middle East and they have no pastor. So James becomes their pastor. And in these four, five, chap- five chapters, he gives 46 pastoral imperatives. And he says, now do this, do this, do this, do this. But but James learned, like, like when I, I was raised Southern Baptist, had the hell scared out of me every week, you know, as far as that goes. <laughs> but back in our days, you, all the pastor had to say was, do it. And you just did what you were told. Oh, man, but then I was also one of those 60s kids, and we destroyed it for all of you. Because if you say it, we'll do the opposite, you know. And so you don't do what you're told anymore. It's a bad case of normal. And, 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 and you don't even do what you believe anymore. That's why we've got so much counseling. Everybody's going to counsel. Why? Because I feel like a hypocrite. I'm not a very good counselor. You come and and my thing is the Bob Newhart approach. You know, stop it. You know, well, you know, I just find myself lying. Stop it. You know what? Apparently that doesn't, that goes over like a pregnant pole vaulter for some. You need to be understanding, Daryl. I I took that, that gift test and you know, I got on mercy. I got zero. Really ticked me off. But anyway, the point is, there was a day that you just, you know, preacher says it, the Bible says it, I do it. Not anymore. Well, well, if you believe it, then I do it. No, not anymore. But I'll tell you, James knew something I learned from him, actually. Think of the dumbest thing you did last week. This will not be a share time, so keep it to yourself. (laughs) But I am going to tell you why you did it. Think of the dumbest thing you did last week. You want to know why you did it? Because the moment you did it, it made sense to you. We always do what makes sense to us. Now, maybe the next moment we went, oy vey, what was I thinking? But the reality is that we're not going to obey the scriptures. James knows that unless, not just because it's told, this is what the Bible says, not because, well, don't you believe the Bible's the word of God? That doesn't work anymore. Now, is it, does you, do you see the wisdom of it? Does it make sense to you? So James wants you and me to understand why the Bible's not broken, how it does work, and how God speaks through the Bible to guide every day of your life if you learn it and not be a shepherd, one who is is ashamed. So here's here's the deal. He says God will speak to you and he'll do it through his word, but there's two things you got to get a handle on. One, how to receive the word Two, how to respond to the word. So notice the first one, how to receive the word. James starts in chapter one. He says in verse five, but now if any of you lack wisdom, hello, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of my best friend. No, my wife. No, let me ask the pastor. Doesn't say it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of, hello, starts with a G. You will not miss this question, right? God. All right, great. How do I do that? He says, who gives wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously without reproach. It's going to be given to you. 
So God says, you got a problem? You need a little guidance, a little wisdom today? That dear guy, he wants to take you out. You're not too sure you want to go out with him because he's a real smut, you know? The fact basically is, how do I get wisdom from God? He says, God will give it to me. What's the vehicle? Well, you just flip the page to the same chapter, verse 21. He says this, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted in your heart. It's going to save your soul. So apparently, God says, you want wisdom? Oh, yeah. You want me to guide you? Yeah. Fine, I'll give it to you. But I'll give it to you when you receive in humility my word. The word implanted in your soul. You notice how do we receive it? It's this word, humility. How do you receive the word of God so God can guide you with his own scripture? It begins with humility. Well, what is humility? Well, again, James gives us a shot at it. Look at chapter four. He says this in verse six. But he, God, gives greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Hmm. So if I want to blow God off, all I gotta do is be arrogant, prideful. What is that? Me, myself, and I, the blessed trinity. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. I'll do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't need anything from you. Don't be lecturing me. Don't be putting some authority over me. It's called American. I mean, it's, it's kind of the way we think in our culture. The Bible calls it arrogance, pride. He says, but he gives grace to the humble. Now watch this. What is this humble thing? Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Watch this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I love that word, double-minded. The Greek word is dipsukoi. Sounds like dipstick, doesn't it? <laughs> Dip, die, double, psukoi, soul, double-souled. Don't act like two souls. One soul's Christian and is the disciple of Jesus Christ, and the other one's a picking pagan. The world calls it a hypocrisy. Hypocrite. I don't know about you. I've never heard anybody says, you know, when I grow up, I want to be a hypocrite. Even atheists don't want to be hypocrites. So he says, don't be a hypocrite on this thing. And this is interesting. Be miserable. Oh, this is encouraging. And mourn and weep. Why? Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Why am I supposed to be bummed out here? I'm bummed out about my arrogance and pride. You know, it's interesting. I, I, Holly and I turned 70 this year. Aging sucks. I'll tell you. I look in the mirror and I go, what happened? Because my soul sure doesn't look like this thing looks. But he says, humble yourself. And you know, you get my age and I've always said, all wisdom really is, is the accumulation of, boy, I'm not going to do that again. And I feel badly for some of you who are really young because you haven't got there yet. But those of us who are older, we're kind of going, you know, every time I've gone up against God, every time I did opposite of what God would tell me to do, it never worked out for me. Little by little, it's like, get it, Daryl. Get it, get it. So watch what he says. When it comes to Daryl doing it your way, ignoring God's counsel through his word, he says, you ought to be bummed out about that. Aren't you to a point where you realize it's not working for you? 
And he says, verse 10, humble yourself in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Notice it says there, humble yourself to God's word and the devil what? Flees. So what's the opposite? If I'm arrogant and I simply say, no one tells me what to do. I don't submit to anybody. I do what I want to do because I'm free. Hmm. Well, then what does it mean for the devil? In humility, I submit to the word of God. In arrogance, I don't. If I submit to the will of God, the devil flees. If I don't, guess who's close by to tempt, to pressure, and depress me? The devil himself. He kind of goes, do you really believe in a devil? Let me ask you, do you really believe in Jesus? Or was Jesus a lunatic in Matthew 4 when he's having this conversation with the devil? He's real or he's not. And I'm not talking about, look under your seats. There's a little demon going to bite your little butt. That's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about there are spiritual forces of darkness. And, and, and can they communicate? Can they affect us? What's the dumbest thing Judas ever did? Easy question. What's the one thing he did that was really dumb? He betrayed Jesus Christ. If you're going to betray somebody, don't betray the guy who walks on water and stops the storms. He can hurt you. You know, betray one of the other lugs. But don't betray Jesus. So where does he get that lunatic idea? John 13, verse 2. John tells us, and Satan put it into the heart of Judas to betray Christ. Oh, wise up, friend. Not all thoughts are your own. And if you think all thoughts are your own, you can be played like a puppet and a fiddle by the devil himself. Think about it with me. Just reason with me. Animal kingdom. Do you see any animals that they torture and slaughter and rape each other for the entertainment of other animals? No. They may eat each other, but that's about it. But we human beings, can you explain to me why human beings somehow be entertained with the torture and the pain and the evil we do to each other? Do you think for a moment that's just biological? Hello? The animals don't even do that. So if you don't believe there are spiritual forces of darkness instilling thoughts, and if I think all thoughts are my own, I'm just going to do whatever comes to my mind, and of course, then you see the treachery, the evil, and the things that will make you cry you see around you. So the fact is, I really would like the devil to flee from me. I don't want to be harassed with thoughts that are perverted, thoughts that are evil, thoughts that are mean. And how am I ever going to get rid of that kind of bombardment of thoughts? Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will exalt you. Submit to the word of God and the devil will what? Say it, flee. But if I'm going to still say I don't need the Bible, I will make up my own mind, I, no one tells me what to do, I have no authority but myself, I'm the center of the universe, then so don't be surprised that you're going to be flooded with thoughts that will even embarrass yourself. So he says here, this receiving, this receiving of the word of God begins with this humility. Humility, God. I, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and get angry every time you say something for me to do in the scripture. Well, that's, that's archaic. That's old. Well, that's not very nice. Huh. Listen to James 1.19. He says, this you know, my beloved brethren. But let each one be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Now, when you read the Bible, you ought to ask questions. And what are the questions, three questions you want to ask right here? 
Be quick to hear. Hear what? Be slow to speak. Speak what? Be slow to get angry. Angry at what? Here's a little Bible. You only have to come to seminary for this one. When you read a verse, a little confusing, read the next pick and verse, all right? It, it helps. He says, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. This is not about hold your temper. Count the 10 before you bust somebody's chops, all right? He's saying literally, be quick to hear, hear what? The wisdom of God through his word implanted. Be, 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 be quick to, to hear, be slow to speak. Speak, what? speak against the scriptures. Slow to get angry. Angry at what? Getting angry because you don't like what the Bible says. You don't agree what the Bible says. So he says, a lot of folks, you got to deal first with this filthiness, what remains of wickedness. It's my, my arrogance. He says now, in humility, this whole thing starts with, how does the Bible work? It works when it's first received with humility. God, you speak it, I'll do it. You cause me to understand what you're saying here, I'll obey it. Because I'm tired of arguing, I'm tired of losing, I'm tired of being a fool and being a pain to those around me as well as to myself. So he says, receive the word of God and notice what he said, implanted in your soul. Now watch this, watch this. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. You know, psychologists tell us that you will forget 95% of everything I say this morning. I am so glad I prepared. <laughs> Why even try? People will ask me, do you have a photographic mind? Because you remember so much Bible. I ran out of film a long time ago. No, 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 no. But I tell you, when something becomes part of your life, you don't forget parts of your life. And when obedience to the scripture is a bad case of the normal in your life, you don't forget scripture because it's part of your life. So he says here, but once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So you look at the scripture and you see the truth. And then you came, I don't like that truth. I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to forgive that person. I don't want to honor that person. I, I, I don't want to tell the truth. I, I don't want to be concerned about somebody else's interest is more important than mine. I don't like those statements. Therefore, I walk away and I forget what I look like. Boy, we just self-justify ourselves. Anything and everything we can do, we can sure give good reasons for it, can we not? We rationalize. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in whatever he does. Do you see what that promise is? I mean, if you want to prove the Bible's broken and that God's a liar, there you go, right there. Because it says that if I indeed, if I'm not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word, and that word rooted means to take root by obedience, if I obey the word of God, it becomes part of my life. He, the promises, I shall come under God's favor. What favor? His guidance, his wisdom. It's guaranteed right there. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life, I'll tell you. But every single one's when I have been indifferent, rebellious against, or ignorant of something God has said. But every time I've consciously lived out what God said, even when it didn't make sense. And also, grasshopper, let's talk about that for a moment. James is Jewish. 
There's Hebrew thinking and Greek thinking. We tend to do Greek thinking. Greek thinking, where's the number? There it is. Greek thinking is basically this. I, I'm not going to do something unless it makes sense to me first. That's just the way we function. Are you going to do something that doesn't make sense to you? Of course not. You going to do something that, that you don't understand? Of course not. It sounds ludicrous. But here's the problem. To the Jews, you don't know something. The way to understand something is to first obey it. We live in a world that I got to first understand it before I obey it. But Hebrew thinking is no, we obey it as a means to understanding it. Why would they do that? I, I, when I pastored Scottsdale Bible Church for 25 years, we went through the Bible. And that meant I took our people a year and a half through the book of Job. Some of the folks are still mad at me. But I'll tell you, the whole book of Job is not about why innocent, sweet people suffer. Because it never answers that question. book of Job is basically this. God is infinite mind. Trying to be understood by finite little brains. Now when you're trying to stuff this into this, will there not be spillage? That's called mystery. Here's the thing to the Greeks. They could just go ahead. Of course they wanted to understand because they're obey because all their thoughts are human thoughts. But what do you do when you're dealing with an infinite mind? The very wisdom, infinite mind of God. Would you at least give him credit for being a few IQ points more than yours? So do you think, some of you, for example, my friend, your dad, his dad was a doctor, good friend of mine. And, 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 and he worked, he was a pediatrician, right? Worked with children. And we would talk about all kinds of things. And he would explain some of the surgeries, some of the things he did with these sick children. Do you think I understood everything he was talking about? Oh, he didn't know that because I just looked like, oh, yeah. I didn't have a clue what he was talking about. He's a brilliant man. Scared me to death. But so I conclude this. I'm sorry, Doc. If I can't understand it, it cannot be understood. How arrogant would that be? If you know something about engineering and I come to you and you try to explain, all I know about computers, like I said, I'm tech-tarded, has something to do with zeros and ones. And that still doesn't make any sense to me. So therefore, computers cannot be understood and programming cannot be understood because I cannot understand it. Is that not arrogant? Is that not dumb? So where do we get off when we say, an infinite mind says, do this but it doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. Therefore, I will not do it. That's why Hebrew thinking was always, obedience was the means to understanding because unless you obey, you won't ever understand it. And if you wait to understand everything God has told us to do, you will never obey it because you'll never come to a point of understanding it. And that is how James approaches this when he says, let the word of God be rooted Respond to the word of God with obedience because he says it is the law of liberty. Now, why would he call it the law of liberty? I've always heard, well, Ten Commandments and the Bible is so repressive and oppressive. You got to keep the Bible. You know, it's like, you know, raining on my parade. Wait, 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 wait. Come on. Come reason with me. Did Adam and Eve have a free will? Yes or no? Say yes. Very good. Because God said, choose from this fruit, that fruit, this tree. You could choose. I don't know about free will. They couldn't will to fly, for example. So I don't know if I'm in the free will. But they had choice. So they had choice. Now, after the fall, did they still have choice? Say yes or no. Say yes. Very good. You are brilliant. First service. Look at you guys. Yes. 
Now, if they had free choice before the fall and free choice after the fall, what's the difference? Simply this, more choices. Because before the fall, they only had the knowledge of what? Good. So all their choices would end up what? Good. Except for one. But now they have the knowledge of good and evil. This is great. Now they have more choices. That means they can choose things that can ruin their lives. They can choose things that can ruin their loved ones, their friends. They can really screw up their whole living. Isn't it great? So now people are afraid to even make a choice. Because what's the big question? How do I know it's a good choice? Should I marry this guy or not? Should I work for this job or not? And so because we've got all these choices of good and evil, I can make a choice. It may be good. It may be evil. Therefore, I'm afraid to even choose. So he says, Jesus says in John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And you will know the truth. And here it comes. And the truth will set you free. Remember questions? Free from what? Free from fear. Free from the fear of making a serious mistake that will ruin your life and ruin the lives of the people you love around you. So he's simply saying is receive the word. Be my disciples. How do I? Is the Bible broken? How does this thing work? Catch it. You may never hear people say this because you got to be over 70s because then you don't care what people think anymore. All right? The Bible doesn't work unless it's obeyed. Do you hear me? You can know the scriptures. Pharisees knew the scriptures. You can go ahead and know a lot of Bible or you can go ahead and think it's cool to be ignorant and be manly. Or you can realize, how do I respond to the word of God? First, I receive it with humility. God, you said, I'll know that I'm your child because I keep your commandments. If Jesus says it, I do it. No questions, because I'm tired of questioning him. And I've learned the only way I understand any wisdom behind what he says is only after I first what? Obey it. Let it take root. So it is receiving the word of God is basically humility and let it take root by obedience. Then I will understand it. And that's why then as you grow older, all of a sudden it is so easy for me to obey the word of God because it makes sense because as I obeyed it, I finally see the wisdom of the wisdom of God. It comes down to this. When is a train most freed up? On the tracks or off the tracks? Boy, we want to just say, no, freedom means there the train's off the tracks. It can go anywhere it wants. Sure, it can want to go anywhere, but as long as it's off the tracks, it's going nowhere. But if it confines itself to the tracks, then that train can go anywhere it chooses, as fast as it wants to go. I, I, I close with this because it says I'm 20 seconds over, and I have one minute over I can go. In, in Colossians, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in Colossians 1.18. He, he says... He, Jesus Christ, is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn of the dead. So that he himself might come to have first place in everything. You know what that means when Jesus is first placed in everything? The term is lordship. The lordship of Jesus Christ. 
I'm tired of hearing people, Christians, try and divide it. Well, Jesus is my Savior, but he's not my Lord. Oh, man, I fear for you because Jesus said, many are going to come to me and say, Lord, Lord, we did all this for you. And what is Jesus going to say? Who are you? I never knew you. Truly, my disciples will do what I say, will abide in my word, and thus become wise. Instead of their lives being a sham and an embarrassment with hypocrisy, their lives become changed and they become men and women of wisdom because the Bible's not broken. God will guide you. And just about every decision you have to make in your life, there's an answer in the scripture. And if you're saying you're having a hard time finding it, call me or call any of our students. Or here's a wild, crazy idea. Do you know Phoenix Seminary is a public seminary? That means why don't you come take a class? Well, it's too expensive. I don't want to audit a picking class. No papers, don't have to grade. Are you in a study? Are you in a Bible study? Do you have a study plan? Do you have some plan to increase your knowledge of the commands of Christ? You say, well, it's so thick. I know. How about start with the Gospels? Well, but there's four of them. I know. Well, then start with the Gospel of John. Learn and study the Gospel of John. And once you get a taste of wisdom, I won't be able to stop you. Who knows? I might even see you at Phoenix Seminary someday. Father, thank you so much for these men and women. I, I, I pray, Lord, that these ramblings have been helpful. That if anything else, we walk away saying, oh my, the Bible's not broken. God guides us through the scriptures. And Lord, I've been waiting so long to understand it before I obey it. Father, help us being so arrogant and prideful that we think we know more than an infinite mind. Give us Hebrew thinking that we would see and search out your wisdom and learn your wisdom by the obedience of what you've said. We trust Jesus Christ. That means we trust what he says because we're followers of him. To your honor and glory, this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ and God's children said, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.